Hello, welcome to Amplified Radio. The day is Friday, April 8th. We are a podcast that broadcasts from Amplified Studios in Carlsbad, California every week. My name is Ellie. I'm your host. I'm also a musician, and I produce and work at the studio. And I'm here with Gabe, who also works at the studio. Say hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for you to finish, but that's fine. Okay, great. Hi, Ellie. Thanks for having me. Hi, Gabe. That's a great start, isn't it? I know. It's perfect. Um, So, yeah, Gabe, you are the audio engineer. You're like the studio manager. That's correct. Yes. Yes. So, wanted to start with talking a little bit about engineering. Yes. um, Since that's kind of your jam. And I know you do other stuff, too. You're like a songwriter and a bandmate band leader producer yeah i've been doing all that stuff you know most of the people get into the music career because they like to play music and an instrument and they have big dreams and as you know the more the dreams falls and the more you move into next the next the next role and the next role so yeah yeah um i've started as a songwriter band leader and then i really fell in love with the process of recording and producing music and mm-hmm. uh, instead of staying at the at the forefront of the performance i really really um i really enjoy the process of recording and it's so fascinating because there's a lot of technical stuff and um it's so full of rabbit holes that you can get lost pretty easy okay that's like a perfect segue so i wanted to talk about my perception of recording kind of like before I started working at the studio um, or just like growing up within the music sort of scenes as someone who has a need to get music recorded, but maybe doesn't know a lot about recording, doesn't know a lot about production, um, which I think I know like a, a decent amount now as someone to like navigate my own session or whatever. But regardless, I want to talk about gatekeeping. So gatekeeping is controlling or limiting access to something. And I want to talk about that in terms of engineers. So to be like specific with the question, it would be um, if you could break down the sort of secrecy or um, like the unspoken truths of, you know, what makes a great mix or what makes a great recording. um, What's like one widespread idea in audio engineering that, that people are protective over. Like I, I, I personally don't think although that that has been and of course like in any craft and in any uh, form of art there are some um probably I wouldn't call it secrets but notions that one that then one people become one person become confident after after a while doing and uh for me personally my journey uh was was full of little epiphanies mm-hmm. while I was, you know, working on my projects and collaborating with other people and 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 reading a lot about uh, recording and watching videos and tutorials and all of that. And uh, the more you digest this information, the more sort of you got through some epiphanies like the for instance the way the low end acts in within a mix or uh about compression about all those sort of things and it's so it's so wide it's so big it's so large that if i'm trying to help you out with something i i will not be able to empty all the bucket at you Mm -hmm. i will and 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 i think that's what my good mentors have done with me they was just giving me the information that i 
could receive and understand for every time. And so it was very superficial. The first recording, the first mixing, the first attempt, it sounded terrible, absolutely <laughs> terrible. But, right. and, and those mentors didn't went into everything that was wrong about it because one of those say i'm not feeling like writing essays now so i'm going to tell you a couple of things and started with the gain staging mm -hmm. and so once you understand that that will lead to another thing it's like it's like a treasure hunt more than a gatekeeping I think I think that that's totally accurate and like I definitely don't have the same experience. I think I have more experience with production than in audio engineering, mm -hmm. which is like kind of a fine line, but in a studio it's not a fine line. It's like pretty obvious. Yeah. Like but with a home studio, a producer and an audio engineer are often the same person with like the same studio, right? Um but my experience with the gatekeeping in terms of any sort of audio engineering is less about like techniques um and more about gear, plugins, investments that I need to make to make my sound go to the next level or even education. What's the education? You know, you really need to get certified in this DAW if you want to be like legit with it. And I think that it's like, it's not a black and white, like clear cut thing, but that's what I would say the gatekeeping really is, is that you need a certain level of money, time, resources, connections, experiences, or experience in the industry in order to get a good sound. And I think that of all of those, the best thing, which is actually oftentimes free, is experience. I think that a lot of the conversation around plugins, a lot of the conversation around gear is protecting this sort of um, almost like elitist sound. Granted, like there are ways like there like gear is gear and it can do amazing things. And also for people that are just starting out, like when I was just starting out, I felt so in over my head because I would read these articles telling me that I needed like, you know, close to $10,000 for all of the pieces of equipment that yeah, I could of use. Yes. I don't know. So what do, you, what do you think about that sort of lens? Less about the skill set required in mixing and more about like how it's kind of, you know, talked about in the media and in the industry that it's expensive to be, to make good sound. It takes a lot of money to get good sound. It Okay. We need to first... Uh, I need to first say that there's a lot of advertising and mm -hmm. a lot of brands that want to push their product and they want to and they want you to believe that you need that to get mm -hmm. that sound, um, which at times it can be it can be true. There are some expensive plugins that I use on a daily basis that are very good and. Um, and and do some stuff like basically analog emulation you want you want good algorithm and uh, and other things that you might need but it's also true that if you go out there and buy every plugin that is available you you won't never have enough money to get all of them so it, it is important and that probably comes with experience and with uh, mm -hmm. we working a lot to know exactly what you need because if you know what you need uh then you say okay i need i need a stereo delay that sounds good okay mm -hmm. What are in the market, and most of the manufacturer giving you the give you the option, you know, fourteen days trials, mm -hmm. and uh, and once you set on it, you know, you you you, you is. It's gonna be your go-to plugin, okay? There are other tens, mm -hmm. other that do pretty much the same thing, and they're all good. But you really need one that you know, that you like, and you know how to use, and they'll become your go-to. Mm -hmm. And that probably, I'd say, there is probably ten. 
plugin that that you can find stocked in in your DAW, but I think that you can go a long way with just a stock plugin if you know how to use it and if you know what you're going for. Yep. Um, and for the rest, um, like it, it is true that it's it, it's a mix of gear, but you need to know what the gear does and what you need for. Like for instance, if you need if you need a specific overtone a specific color in your uh, in your sound you might want to go with a transformer instead of a valve and the reason is is that one enhance the odd harmonics and the other enhance the even harmonics which sound differently on on a cymbal instead of on a drums and you, you need to know what you're going for but that will come with experience with a right. good mentoring and these are little gems of information that are not easy to find. Yeah, that reminds me. So I was reading this, um, this study that was done last year by Erin Barra, who is a faculty member at Berkeley. Um, I think that she was working there even when I was like kind of at Berkeley, but I never got to take any of her classes, but she conducted a study. It was primarily about women in the industry, but it was also just about the industry in general, um, with a focus on women's experiences in terms of pay, um, employers, sort of, you know, what, what do they do in the industry? How much do they get? Whatever. There, it was like a super extensive, like hundred plus pages study. And I was reading through it and I got to the end of it, which is not like me. I don't normally read, <laughs> read like that, but I was so interested in it for personal reasons. And I got to the end of it and the solution to a lot of the problems that were mentioned in terms of inequality, um, sort of discrimination in the industry, how it's the discrimination actually that came up. The number one thing holding people back in the music industry is not gender discrimination. It's not racism. It is insufficient funds. It's money. That is true. That's yeah. what keeps people back. And I thought that that was a really unifying cause actually for a lot of, you know, that, that involves everybody that has nothing to do with, I mean, I guess if you're rich, you're excluded, but rich people are such a small percentage yeah. of the music industry. Most of the music industry, we're not rich, right? Um, except we hear a lot about the rich people, but I think that there's a huge, like 90% of the music industry are not at that level. Um, but anyways, the solution was mentorship. They said the best thing you can do is not going to get a college degree. It is not buying a bunch of gear. It is not paying for certain experiences. It is finding a mentor who does exactly what you want to do in however many years. They do it's literally very, exactly very, what you very, do. It, I agree. In, yeah. in fact, this in this in this um, job in this um, how to say industry back in the days, you will come in applying on a studio and starting making coffee for the engineer and helping out. And if they see that you are you know, motivated and passionate and they start giving you a little task. They could be passing through rolling the cables and then mm -hmm. putting a microphone on a stand. But you wouldn't put it close to the source. The engineer does, you know? Right. And it's a it's a sort of it's a sort of it was a career opportunity. One of those where you start from from the bottom and make your way up because you want to as we said before, if you work with an expert, you will not be able to you will be able to see what it does, but unless it's speaking to you, now I'm doing this because of this and this mm -hmm. and this, you won't have a view of the the rationale behind their decision. And so the only way is to work for a long time and you start seeing what they're doing. Doesn't mean that you will understand what they're doing, right. but you're getting familiar and you will absorb this behavior 
and they will gradually become clear because the more you'll be ready for it, the more the, the busy engineer or producer will say, hey, mm-hmm. check this out. Mm-hmm. And, but, and, and, there was, and there was something that was working fine. But nowadays, um, as we know, studios are closing down. That's, right. that's, I don't know how many CVs you receive in an amplified studio. Close to two a week. Uh, close to two a week. And, the, and it, at the same time, there are a lot of schools that pump out graduate. There are mm-hmm. sound engineers. They are certified that they can use Ableton, Pro Tools, Logic, whatever, uh, Reaper, FL Studio, whatever. And, um, and so it became... It, it became it become pretty hard to get in the industry and actually yeah ultimately money makes things easy because mm-hmm. it's a kind of job that ideally everyone that is passionate about music would like to do mm-hmm. but then many people have to confront the reality okay i really need to learn this craft and i need to study a lot but i also need to work and mm-hmm. i also need to pay the bills so and um leading up in my uh, i'm a late years graduate and I was spending basically all my day awake tonight or working on my assignment or reading books about it. I was constantly active about it and 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 plus I was lucky to find mentors and, and then slowly I've been carving my way into the industry. But uh it if you can if you don't have the money to afford do nothing and mm-hmm. be completely immersive and work for free in this environment, then you need to work hard and be able to sacrifice i quit you know seeing tv series and tv shows i don't do any of that because i don't have time for that right Mm. right and i think actually on the topic of like tv one of the things that came up in the study too now that i'm thinking about it is a lot of people's primary and secondary job within the music industry is actually video um which i thought was it makes a lot of sense because video is the most sought out after um medium for content and it's super expensive to make. So if you can train yourself to make a really sick looking music video or, you know, get a really good looking TikTok account, it's like, yeah, like, I mean, I think I think what you're speaking to is like super familiar for a lot of musicians. It's like the catch 22 of, you know, I have this education or I have this experience and yet I'm still having such a hard time breaking into the industry. Um, how can I get basically a day job where I can be even on the outer most like areas of the music industry, I just want music a part of my life, right? Like how can I find a job where, you know, I'm a, I'm a rapper or I'm a backup singer or I'm a, you know, beat maker or whatever, you know, that's like the core identity, but that core identity for most people can't pay bills, right? Actually beat makers make good money <laughs> yeah. if they do it right. But you know, like performers really, and that's something that the study talked about too. Performers, if they're not, and that's why COVID just wrecked so much of the industry because performers, if they're not performing and not selling merch, aren't making money, especially if they're signed to a label that owns their masters and is getting streaming revenue, right? Like, yeah. So regardless, yeah, I just like in my personal experience, I've, I've lived in, of course, in my home country in Italy and I lived in Australia. And, and since I moved to Australia and then United States, I have to basically uh, make a living and find a way. And truth is that for a um, for a working musician, things have changed radically, but not mm-hmm. before COVID, but I would say in the last 15 years yep. in which um, that I know very few. And those are the ones that have made it in a sense 
although um, there are very few that can uh, rely on a on a sole source of income within the music industry. I, to in order to make a living, I teach music to kids. I I I do my solo performance in pub, restaurant, resorts, whatever they want. I I I play in some weddings. I work as a record engineer, and uh, and that's all the things that sometimes you perceive. Yeah, it's good. I'm working with music, but it's still a work, and and. and you kind of you have to work in life, right? Yeah. There, uh, if you think a plumber, an electrician, a tradie, there are some times in which they are really they do something that really is fulfilling for them. But most of the time, you have to do work. That it's 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 a good, honest day of work, and um, and as a musician, if I, if if I once if I was somebody, if I if it's me starting over again, like I did this year. It's like uh, if you were at the point in which you don't have enough skills of expertise to um, to make this as a living, to have a service that people want and then you can get paid for it, mm -hmm. which in my case would be, okay, I can sing and play guitar, I can do that in your place. Doesn't mean that I necessarily enjoy that all the time, right. but I can do that. Right. And uh, so... We're drawing back and then you got to do something to pay your bills and the direction you'll take in your life, it's what you will do in your free time. Yep. If you have to work in a cafe uh, eight hours a day, it means that you will have another eight hours to sleep and then you have another eight hours. Let's say some hours will do in your house chores and then you'll have at least two or three hours a day that you can invest in something that at least make you a little bit better than you was yesterday in whatever it is that you do in writing, playing an instrument, recording, whatever. If you want to stay in the industry, you got to put the effort unless you're rich. Yep. Mm. Yep. Oh, that's that's like all my friends. Yeah. Right? Like and all your friends and, are rich? <laughs> all my friends have 2 or 3 hours a day of like yeah. really going for it and it's yeah. really cool to see how quickly things change when there is a no days off mentality of yeah. in my free time i'm not going to the bar i'm not That's watching it. movies yeah. i'm at home and i'm practicing my craft it's a different kind of life but it can still be social and it can still be super fulfilling yeah. um like there are you know music is a social event for most people if you're not like a honestly a producer or yeah. some songwriters too but music like is historically and like wonderfully about other people so yeah anyways i want to ask though kind of getting back to what we were talking about earlier about the gear i just had this idea pop up in my head so let's say i had a one thousand to fifteen hundred dollar budget i have a laptop okay so i have a computer i have um music i have tons of music that i want to record the recording setup looks like drums i'm okay with programming them okay um a, a guitar I have the guitar. I do not need to purchase it. It's really all pro audio gear that I'm looking for. So my budget is between $1,000 to $1,500. What are the things that I absolutely need, right? Just like the literal name of the item. And mm -hmm. then on top of that, if you can name a brand that you think would fit within that budget. And we can just like walk through that. What was the budget again? $1,000 to $1,500 okay. US. So I would say it, it, a lot depends about the genre you are... I'm doing um, indie, like alternative R&B. 
Okay, so I I would say that you want to record live instrument mostly. Um, you will need uh, you will need. You will I'm, need... No, I'll program drums. I don't need drum mics. Okay. Yeah, I'll program drums for this project, but I will want to record my guitar and my voice and possibly like a keyboard. Okay. Well, I will I will get a tube amp. I will get a tube amp for guitar if you have a good guitar. And uh you want to get a micro a good microphone that is versatile and it's not too expensive. And I know that um there are a lot of brands that you pay the prestige for it, but there are some up and coming. Uh like um I've been using this Aston microphones, very nice brand, and it's pretty affordable and it sounds damn good. Cool. And it's still made in UK. And uh and those are very flexible. I know Lewitt microphone, which is made in Austria, uh does great versatile product. I think a good microphone, but I wouldn't be bugged in microphone in microphones. And then you need And then you need some good plugins. And well, have you got a sound interface? No. Okay. Mm. There is this amazing sound interface by Universal Audio at the Apollo. Mm-hmm. They are not super cheap. They are, they are close to a thousand dollars new. You can find in the in the in the aftermarket for about six to seven hundred. Okay. And they've got good good stuff because they come with a with a suit of plugins that are amazing like everything universal audio really does it's amazing and um and that's pretty great and other than that so what i'm hearing you say if i had a thousand to fifteen hundred dollar budget it sounds like and let's say i have the amp right it's really just pro audio gear that i need yeah um so i'd need a mic yeah the mic stand, which is kind of just like, you know, whatever. Okay. And then um, the interface. And so if I were to kind of like do a ratio based on what you're saying, mm. where universal audio is, you know, a really good micro- uh, interface, you could have it for years. It comes yeah. with plugins, all of that. Sounds mm. like a great option. That's going to be like 600 to 1,000, depending on the version of it that I get. Mm. Yeah. And then that leaves me basically, you know, 500 to $900 for a microphone. So it almost sounds like... You spend a similar amount on both. You'd spend a similar amount on a microphone. Or would the microphone be a lot less than the interface? I think that probably a good microphone would be like a 500 to to a 700 kind of thing. Like I think that budget of that particular model. But um, give me the opportunity to say as well that the most important thing is not the rig, it's the performer. It's always been the performer. It's, it's, It's far better to have a great performance into a shitty microphone than a shitty performance into a great microphone. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be bogged all that much about the gear, apart from the essentials, you know, mm-hmm. apart from the essentials. But if you've got a great song, if you've got a great arrangement, you can get you can get there even if, even even with the stock plug-in, I, I guarantee you. And and the song will be so good and somebody will have will want to help you yeah. uh with that. Um totally. And I think also just like if you know that the song's good and you know that you can perform your ass off, just do it. Like I've made that mistake so many times where I'm just like sitting on this music because I don't know the right engineer for the project or I think that it could sound better if I just saved more money and all of that. And looking back, I'm like, no, I just need to release like 
within reason. Like I need to plan the release. Yeah. I need to promote the release online. But in terms of the literal, like, you know, waiting for all of these financial and like interpersonal pieces to fall into place. Sometimes it's just like, go, like do it. Yeah. You gotta it do out. it. Yeah. You gotta, it's like also because, you know, it's experience. You move on. No, no one's first album sound great. Yeah. Uh, even uh, bigger name first album where whatever they can do at, at that point in their career. But uh, right. I know people that have been, you know, stuck on the same album for 10 years, never released. And by the time they got there, their genre, <laughs> genre is obsolete. Nobody listens to that anymore. Right. So you, you want to make decision and move on to the next project. Yeah. And, and it will, uh, a song will not, a song or an album will not make or break your career. No, it's 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 keep releasing, keep con- keep being constant, yep. and um, and that's pretty much it. But if if that helps, I see the process from uh, let's say from the songwriter from the songwriting perspective to the mixing to be essentially the same process. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you've got if in your songwriting, in your composing, you will have um, two pianos and two guitars stuck in the same mid-range area, that would be a problem for the band. There would be a problem cascading to the recordist and then to the mixer. But eventually, it's a problem that needs to be solved. Now, right. if you have good songwriter skills, uh, which most of them for great songwriting are just instinct, really. Yeah. Okay, now no guitars here because I want to create contrast. And this is one of the important things when you mix. You want contrast. You want the frequency to be somehow balanced, but not all the time. And uh, and it's all the same process. It's the instrument that you put in and and the frequency they occupy so it's um you really if you have a, a well thought out and arranged a, a well arranged song uh the technology wouldn't be on your way mm-hmm. yeah cool well i was gonna ask you like so many other questions but we kind of like got onto a thing and i'm looking at the time and it's already been like almost 30 minutes maybe yeah, wow but anyway so i want to play a game because we <laughs> I want to play this game, so I, I came up with it. It might not work, but I think it could be fun. Basically, I'm going to name a celebrity. Okay. Someone who hopefully everybody listening and you will know. And then you're going to tell me what they listen to in the privacy of their own home. Like, what what musical artist? You don't have to name, like, specific songs, although that could be funny, too. But I'm going to name, like, a celebrity, and you're going to tell okay. me. Okay. Let's hope I know this celebrity. Gut instinct, right? Like, who who or what are they listening to? Yeah, okay. Okay, are we good? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Paul McCartney. Ooh. I see Paul McCartney listen to Muse. Muse? That is so weirdly, like, interesting. Okay, okay, so Paul McCartney's listening to Muse. I like it. Um, let's go with George Bush. Huh. George W. Bush, the president Yeah, okay, I see he listen to some song country stuff uh i don't know any country artist maybe you know bruce Springsteen, but i think it was on the other side of the political spectrum <laughs> okay so george w bush is listening to bruce springsteen all right that actually like i feel like that could be realistic could i don't be, know right uh, yeah I've, i really have no idea though but definitely country i don't know many yeah. country artists but yeah um do you know the actor seth rogan no as I say, I don't watch TV. <laughs> you don't watch TV. Okay, he was in he was in like big comedy movies and like 
10 or 20 years ago. But um, let's do let's do um, Drake. Who's Drake? He's <laughs> like the number one Billboard artist of like the world. Like he's had the longest run on Billboard top 100. Like, oh, okay. I should longer than ca- anybody. I should probably catch up with Drake. Yeah, you should listen. <laughs> Sorry, to him. Drake. No, you're fine. He's from he's from um, Canada, so you're not offending anyone in this country. Actually, you're probably offend- he's yeah he's huge. But okay, moving well, what on. What style is there? I started doing like rap with Lil Wayne um, with. Yeah, like that sort of crew, Nicki Minaj, like those sorts of like that's kind of scene and that kind of sound. Okay. And then he's he's kind of transformed. I feel like he sings more than he raps now. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I um, might have heard something, you know, on the radio or whatever. You'd but. probably recognize his music, yeah. honestly. Okay, okay. I'm trying to think. Um, if we go, it sounds like you know rock stars and you know some famous like politicians, but not movie stars, huh? Well, it depends. Depends how recent they are. Okay, how about um, Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise. Ooh, Tom Cruise. What would he listen to? It's something not very tasty. He doesn't... Uh, <laughs> I would say something like dance music... Oh, or, like club music? Yeah, something like a club. Totally. Yeah. Like totally. he's like in his like nice car going to the Scientology Center and he's that's like That's right. That's right. Something absolute like that. nightclub in there. You know, Love like that. something very square. Oh my uh, god. Yeah. It's so funny. Probably Aqua. The <laughs> <laughs> 90s music, yeah. Okay, and I'm going to do one more. How about um Queen of England? What does she listen to? I would say she listens to something very vintage, like some... <laughs> like classical? Uh, yeah, probably classical, yeah. Bach. Bach. The last of Bach record. Of all the record, classical yeah. musicians, too. Yeah. You did her dirty with Bach. I actually like Bach, but... He's... Bach is great. Yeah. He's a genius. Yeah. Yeah. I think he gets some hate for simplicity and counterpoint stuff yeah i I like it it's great to teach actually because you can be like well whatever we'll talk about that after the podcast but talk about classical music another time yeah let's talk about it another time all right i'm gonna wrap up um my name's ellie i'm with gabe um at amplified studios we're back on with open mics if i were to do any sort of music announcement we had our open mic this week um what was it Wednesday, April 6th? We're doing it again next Wednesday and every Wednesday after. Come by um, if you're in the area. It was so cool, Gabe. I wish you were there. Yeah, I wish I was there too. Yeah, one of these days you're going to have to take off your other job and, and come. Well, whenever it's possible. Hey, Bob. Hi, Bob. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, we're going to wrap up. So, yeah, come to the open mic if you're around. It's every Wednesday at 7 p.m. at Amplified. Um, and thanks, Gabe. Thanks for talking. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. Have a nice day. Oh, no, you. <laughs>